Before today's episode, we wanted our listeners to know about an absolutely brilliant charity event taking place in London this Saturday by Extraordinary Events. This event is to raise awareness of mental health charity CAM and will run at St Augustine's Priory Meadow in Ealing from 4.30pm. Tickets are available online and include a truly brilliant lineup. so if you are free and you can make it, do pop along. You can simply go and follow them online to get tickets. They are at Extra Events. Welcome to Series 5 of Industry Minds. My name's Owen Woodgate from Tax for Actors. We are over the moon to be sponsoring this series. It really is one of the best yet. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast which discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reid and today I am joined via Skype by Jackie (laughs) Pulford. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely to speak to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. We've known Jackie for, for quite a while now and it's great to get her on the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Um, and it's wonderful, actually, to be doing something like this in the times that we're in and using all our technology in the best way possible. So, yeah. Yeah. 100%, 100%. So um, for those who don't know, Jackie is an actress whose credits include elegies for Angels, Punks and Raging Queens, longest musical name ever, at the <laughs> Union Theatre, um, Love and Money at the Soho Theatre and Tales from a Wreckers Yard at the Malting Arts Theatre, amongst others. So um, as you will know, we always start with a word association game. So <laughs> just the first thing that pops into your head, all right? You ready? Okay. Yeah. Great. Spring. Hey, fever. <laughs> Ireland the love of my life sorry that's four words <laughs> catfish joy childcare uh frustrating at times memories long and fulfilling the sims the sims do you play oh. the sims <laughs> I don't play The Sims. Oh, my God, that's one for my son. But if, if, if I related to my son, I would say, get off that now. <laughs> <laughs> Sunshine. Uh, energy giving. London. The source of work. Mm. Mm-hmm. See, I say The Sims because I've been spending a lot of time on The Sims recently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I understand. Should I do the washing? No, I'll just play The Sims. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's allowed. It's good for passing the time. It's good for passing the time. So, Jackie, let's start at the beginning, as we always do. How did you get into the arts? So I would say that the arts has always been a part of my life. Um, I grew up as part of a musical family. So from basically my first memories are actually of singing and performance. Um, So it's not really accidental that I've visited it, come away from it and then revisited it at various times in my life because it's so part of my DNA. Um, Yeah, I I grew up in Southern Ireland. Um, Well, part of my early life was actually in Northern Ireland. So my family, my mum and dad are originally from the north. 
but they're both um originally they were a, they were a singer and a, a guitar player a singer and guitar player who met on the circuit performing yeah. um in the north of ireland my dad played in the bands in the 1960s and 70s and they met at a competition at a, at a sort of a uh, a singing competition uh, uh, between and my mum and her sister were up against my dad's band um so you know they they'd been performing long before I came on the scene um and so I I do remember from very early doors being in environments that were always filled with music or performance or people um a lot of my family own um what they call watering holes in Ireland <laughs> they all <laughs> They own restaurants and pubs, etc. And so there was always a really social aspect to the arts for me. I associated kind of performance and music and 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 being around people in a really positive way. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that that was my early childhood. Yeah, lovely. That's so nice. So obviously your parents were involved in the arts um, mm. a lot and you grew up around that. Was there any other path for you other than going into theatre and musical theatre or was it empty the whole the whole time um no there were definitely other paths and and interestingly actually um I have three brothers and we're not all performers I'm I'm actually probably the only pro- professional performer in my family now um which is super interesting as well we we took different routes as time was on and went on and I understand that better as a as a sort of a grown woman myself my fam- my parents had to make other choices they you know they uh, initially they had three small children and they my dad ended up getting sort of work within the manufacturing industry to try and support his young family alongside playing music and so I suppose I could see growing up that you know he even had to have initially a muggle job or as it went on to be his primary job was Mm. to 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 provide for us and to put a home over our heads and, and feed us. So that, you know, I was very well aware that music might not pay <laughs> from, yeah. from an early sort of um, memory. And then my, as sort of time went on, they had to adjust and take on different work. Some of it was connected to the arts, some wasn't. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that it was the only route. I think we were taught early doors that you had to be, um, you had to look at all the options and, you know, make life work for you the best that you could, um, given your skill set. So, no, I wouldn't say that at all. And actually, I was encouraged at school to embrace lots of different options and to look at how me being creative could work for me in adult life. And that wouldn't necessarily mean being a singer. Saying that, I was always singing. I mean, I was always singing. Um, and I was a singer in the family. Um, my, you know, my dad is a musician and my brothers ended up being musicians as well, playing guitar and piano, etc. But I was always a singer. I was the nominated singer. And we would have had at the time uh, a thing where you would have done your turn. And this is my in my extended family in Ireland. So when we would all get together, everybody would do their turn. <clears throat> so you would I don't know if you would know this from from your own upbringing, Kathy. I know it's it's also a thing they do in Scotland. <laughs> ah, do your turn. No, I haven't do heard your that. Turn. So you would, you know, when you would have big family gets together, everybody would take their turn to perform. And so it wasn't actually seen like a special skill in my family. Everybody did it and everybody did it to varying degrees. So we acknowledged that there were some better singers than others, maybe <laughs> some better 
you know, musicians than others, but we all did our turn. And I, I love the idea of that where um, no one was excluded. Everyone, you know, had something to say or something. And it, it could be poetry. It could be telling a story. It was very strongly based in storytelling. And so I, I guess because it was such an integral part of my community and my culture, I didn't I suppose I didn't even see it as the first way I could I could make you know work. I, I saw it as something that was just going to always be in my life as part of my family setup or as part of who I was fundamentally and that there were other things that I could do with my life as well. If that's a very long-winded way of telling you. No, 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 no it's um, great. It's uh, great. And I think it's always, we always ask people kind of like how they got into it and their families, because it's really interesting to see where people have come from. Um, so a lot of people will know the amazing journey that you have been on um, through this industry and getting back into the industry, which we'll come on to um, in a minute. Uh, it's really inspiring uh, for, for me and Scarlett. We, we absolutely love you. We think you're fantastic. You put yeah. up a tweet when you got um, elegies at the yeah. union and you were kind of reflecting back on um before you had your son and having to I'm going to use inverted commas give up performing because I don't think we ever give up performing um yeah. and I think the tweet said um about how your son got to see the show and how it was really really emotional for for you uh, could you chat to us about that time when you had to let's call it take a break a few years ago yes uh so I was um, back in Ireland when I went to do sort of third level education. Uh, there weren't as many lovely performance um, colleges or training institutions in Ireland as there are here now in the UK and are in Ireland actually now. But um, you had sort of quite limited options as to how you would perhaps um, follow a career as a singer or as a performer indeed and so I was doing multiple things I mean I, I trained in drama actually and and without any performance kind of element to it but alongside that I was singing in bands I was working in cabaret I was doing all sorts of things I did a couple of musical theatre shows um, so I was sort of m meshing my performance life with some study and then also with, you know, a job at the time. I also was working um, alongside that. And part of my work um, involved doing um, event management and, and sort of being involved in the event side of thing. And I uh, met my son's father at one of these events and uh fell pregnant and, and gave birth to Connor. I was in my 20s. I was on my own. And, you know, doing what I was doing prior to that was no longer possible. I had to make different choices. I had to go out and get full time work pretty soon on after he was born. Um, I, yeah, I, I had to go and get work as a PA, actually, but attached to a company who ran a lot of events. And, uh, I, I basically just scrabbled and um, clawed my way through several years of that whilst raising a very small child. And Connor was in childcare from sort of seven o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night. There was no way that I could continue singing and performing. I just couldn't do that. And I didn't think much about it at the time. It's interesting how the journey of your life goes. You just... When things happen, you just react and respond and you you cope. There was a level now looking back, there was definitely a level of <clears throat> trauma within that because it was 
tough going. You know, it was hand to mouth. I was, um, you know, I was eating beans and toast some days for dinner and just managing the best I could. And so as life went on, I, I kind of I took a real sidestep to pouring myself into raising this child and surviving, really. And then I met um, my current husband, Nick, um, and he came into my life at a really, uh, I mean, I was really needing of that at the time, actually. I was really grateful to have met him. And onwards from that, I had another two babies. So life kind of took twists and turns for me. I I was, I did start back singing again around the time just before I had my second child and then uh, gave birth to Ben. And again, I think possibly as a learned behavior, I started to pour myself into that again, rearing him, balancing everything together, trying to manage my kids and, and just get on. And so, you know, um, I was doing a bit of performance, but nothing like what I had been doing prior to um, the change of circumstances. And um, and yeah, had had Connor, had Ella, um, had Ben and uh all of a sudden got to my sort of 30s and thought, this is interesting. Uh, my life is not looking anything like I thought it would. And not just that, but what I found was my focus had um, taken on a different meaning. So I had started to really I had realized that I'd been focusing quite a lot on securing myself financially securing comfort and stability for my children, um, making sure that my environment was, um, you know, safe, I guess. But for myself, I hadn't made provision for myself. And that, yeah, when when I the realization of that, which I think happens to quite a lot of people actually in their 30s, um, that really meant that I had to make some profound changes uh yeah to what I was doing yeah so so would you say that over this time your mental health was was quite affected by not kind of pursuing and not kind of not kind of pursuing your career that you wanted to pursue and having it take a back seat even though obviously your children are amazing in your world but obviously you're still a human being with with wants and needs 100 percent there were a range of things that happened I mean I'm I'm glossing over quite a long time period of having my kids and <laughs> you know there was t- 10 plus years in that intervening time and throughout that time I had various um, brushes as I would call with uh, looking at what mental health meant to me because um, I come from a culture as well. I'm sure I think you've discussed this before. I think it was mentioned on Fra's um, podcast where he was talking about being Irish and how, you know, we tend to look at anything that's a bit uncomfortable and treat it with humour or brush it over. Or, you know, you know, it's it's kind of a dumbed down thing. You don't talk about being weak um, mentally or emotionally. You can be weak physically, but never mentally or emotionally. And so I think in all the times that I was suffering that, and that was a range of things. I had very bad postnatal depression, actually, after I had my middle son. I also had some incidences that happened throughout that 10 plus year period that were very unpleasant, 
with the with, without going into detail but you know which were to do with the father of my first son um I had some incredibly challenging times that I just bore and went through like anyone does but but didn't deal with in an emotional or sort of mental capacity and that definitely came up and bit me uh, <laughs> further down the line and uh and and now looking back, I can see a, a lot of people do that because we all just want to cope. We all want to be seen as a success. We all want to um, show up in in kind of a showing our game face, really. And uh, and what I realised later down the line was that that just wasn't going to work for me because other it you know my sort of lack of having dealt with that was showing up in other ways within myself. Um, and I was becoming, uh, from being a very decisive person, a very confident person, I started to lack in confidence and lack uh, the ability to make decisions and lack the tenacity and perseverance that I once had. Um, and, and I was questioning that all the time. And then actually what that meant for me was I sort of thought maybe it's because I'm not being artistic or creative anymore. Maybe it's because I'm not singing. Maybe I'm lacking that thing in my life that fills my soul let me look at doing this again. And so that was, you know, in a way, that's what, what took me back there. I looked at it initially as a remedy. I thought this is going to remedy this hole potentially that I feel within myself and some of these issues that I have within anxiety particularly. Mm-hmm. And it did, but it did in a very <laughs> different way to what I imagined because when I went back to singing, and I think, and this is what I mentioned to you before, I found I literally couldn't sing. Uh, which was devastating and interesting and awful and wonderful and all sorts. It, it, it took me down a road that I'm very grateful for. But yeah, the thing that was most fundamentally mine from when I was younger and what I felt was my thing and that I was good at, I no longer could do. And, mm. uh, and I had to look a long, strong, like long, hard look at that and see why that was. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll come on to... Um, those those challenges that you faced um in, in a little while um but just going back on your your journey through the industry so after you had a few years away from the industry you decided to go back and train and you secured a place on a postgrad musical theatre course what yeah. made you decide to go back and train um, and did you find studying with having a young family difficult and was there any support for you at this time yeah um all of what you said yes <laughs> um <laughs> It was uh, very difficult, but it was very, I think I got to a point, and I'm sure some people listening will really understand this. You do get to a point where where it's, where you feel like, no, I have no other option here. I have got to go down this road. I have got to flush this out of my system is the only way I can put it. I have got to show up and see what happens. I realized that, you know, I maybe hadn't got, the industry had changed dramatically I'm also living in the UK I know nothing about this performance space I need to I need to get knowledge I need to really fill my head with all the information that I need and fill my soul with people around me um, that can set me on the right path I need to know what it looks like to be a performer in this industry now and um, I I sort of looked around it's really interesting I've I've always said this when you start to kind of set out intent things land in your lap they really do and around that time 
I had a connection through to the singing department at RADA. They were looking at doing a musical theatre, a short course musical theatre over the summer. And uh, they were looking at doing it in a very tense fashion, uh, using the best of their practitioners. And uh, the lady there that was sort of involved in it suggested it might be a really good thing for me in terms of dipping my toe back in, but also just really reinvigorating my you know my my performing skills and um and 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 that was actually the first sort of thing that I did coming back into the industry I was sort of performing as well at that time but I really poured myself into that course the juggle was real it it became very apparent like early doors like I'm having to make a choice here and again any mums performing uh, mums and dads will know there's a point at which you have to kind of make a choice and say, you know, I'm not being a bad mum here. I'm not being a bad parent. I'm I'm having to do this in order to be a better parent to my children. And they are going to have to get used to this new reality. <laughs> they are going to have to step up. Mum's not going to be there doing everything as much as she was. And and it was really good for them, really hard process for them to go through, hard process for me too very necessary well worth doing but uh, support mm, I I would say that I was very fortunate the choice I made at that time was with um, some money that had been left to me actually I had some finances to put towards that course and to put towards some childcare. Um, and I'm very lucky that I had that because I don't know how anyone else would do that without it and I, I think if I had any ideas further down the road as to things that I would love to do, it would be to fundraise for people in that situation, because I know there's more than me get trapped like that and don't, you know, don't have a choice. I was lucky. I did. And, and I, I made the choice and I activated it. And also because that I used the money in that way, I felt very driven to use it productively and make the best of it. So, yeah, I did that. And that the knock on effect from that was it highlighted two things. Firstly, that I would have to do much, much more training in whatever way I could to try and really get up to speed with what I needed to do. It highlighted that I had some issues with singing and and anxiety around singing. It highlighted also that um, I, I just... I needed to look closer at this baggage, if you like, in inverted commas, that I had from my life and really look at how that was holding me back, what my perceived framing of everything was and how I could reframe that. So that was a brilliant thing that it did. Um, And then onwards from that, yeah, I, I just... Yeah, I did every workshop possibly known to man. <laughs> um, Amazing. That's so fab. That's so fab. You seem so driven um, and so positive about it all, which is amazing. Just before we get on to the, the issues that came up during your training, I think there's there's a lot of barriers in the industry, as you've just discussed financially. Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot for, for females, especially those who want to have children. And it can be seen as some kind of a stigma that your your career will end. So it's either you go on and have your career or you have children. Um, and some people, are, uh, it's quite hard to merge the two or it has been um, up until now. What advice would you give to any aspiring mothers in the arts? Um, I would say that 
um, and this is I'm, I'm talking now to those mums who have now become parents and are looking at how they make that work going forward. And what I would say to them is practice courage and reach out, because one of the things that happens to you when you have children is um, you do become very vulnerable. You you become vulnerable in so many ways. And I I've learned now that to see that vulnerability is not a weakness. Initially, when I started to feel like that and I felt like it progressively after my first, second and third child, I would see it really as a weakness. I was sort of losing the strength inside myself to do things for myself. I was pouring so much into my children that I was losing a sense of myself and and also then you you make excuses based on that vulnerability is what I find. You will make excuses. Oh, it's too expensive to do this or I won't find the help I need with my children or no one will want to hear me any, anymore. I've become irrelevant. Um, there aren't as many castings for people of my age in the industry. I mean, all the, the little you know internal monologue that goes on inside your brain. Those excuses are just because you feel vulnerable. And the vulnerability comes for many reasons. I mean, biologically, we become very vulnerable, you know, that we've got multiple hormones running through ourselves and um, we become vulnerable in a financial capacity, as you've mentioned. Um, but I feel it's such a shame to lose women at that point and onwards, because one of the things that motherhood teaches you and age teaches you is you pivot right on your heel and look back at the rest of your life in a very different way and your storytelling is absolutely made 100% better by that so as storytellers um in that capacity we become you know amazing creatures really and at the time where we can't give that gift to performance so i'm a huge advocate for you know saying to mums out there oh, oh my goodness reach out actually to other mums reach out whatever way you could I in the early days of me coming back into performance I every single school mom I know had my children let me tell you Kathy every school mom I know and you know there was a little voice in my head saying they don't want the bother of that they don't want my kids I'm being too selfish here that all the little back internal monologue no, they were delighted. And when when allergies happened, for example, I had like 15 of them in the audience, like screaming for me because they they felt like they'd been part of the journey, too. And equally, when the days that I'm not working or the times that I'm not as busy, I have hundreds of kids here in my home. It's 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 you know, it's a way of reframing and looking at things and making it work for you. Um, but you have to have the bravery to do that and to actually turn up and say, my life's not perfect. I maybe I'm not enjoying being a mum as, as much as I thought I did. did. Um, it's not, you know, the all filling, all wonderful thing that I thought it would be. I actually need to be me, too. Like we need to have more conversation about that um, for sure, for sure. And I hope that I'm part of that when the time comes. Yeah, and I'm sure that you will be. Absolutely. Um, that was really inspiring. Thank you. Um, so just go back on the challenges that you said that you faced when you were training um, and when you were coming back into the industry. Could you chat us through them? Uh, yeah, I I mean, again, I'm not, not a scientist and I'm going to try and explain this in the best way I can. But I found that um, when I was... <sighs> One, you know, it requires emotional investment to sing. It does 
to sing the way that I wanted to sing, really, or that any artist wants to perform, requires you to see and feel and, um, you know, and funnel things through your body that are sometimes uncomfortable. And what I realized coming back to singing, particularly singing, not so much with the written word, interestingly, but singing really was affected by this. And I know lots of science around why that is now, but um, I couldn't actually get the sound out of my throat. Lots of people that I know will have been in workshops with me and seen that happen. <laughs> that was awful. It was ex excruciating on so many levels when that would happen to me because A, I would feel embarrassed. B, I would feel scared because I think, why can't I actually sing? C, I would feel like a failure. I, you know, there were so many things coming out of that. But um, again, because I'd, I, I'd started a process called NLP, I'd started to do other therapy alongside this. I, I learned to understand that I had to face that head on and try and understand what that was about. And that it was a physical manifestation of things that were going on subconsciously um, that learned behaviors of mine um, to try and cope with a, a situation of stress. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of people saw that, a lot of people in workshops with me that really, a lot of um, lovely agents and casting directors who are now amazing and who keep in touch with me and have seen how I've kind of overcome that and, and you know, who know that story. And I, I did, like I mentioned, I went and did some neuro-linguistic programming um, with hypnotherapy, which is basically about looking at I mean, neuro is about your brain, your nervous system. Linguistic is the language or the words that we use to sort of explain that. And then the programming is the actions that we take to produce results. Um, I found it really interesting to look at how I had anchored certain behaviors in my life to a place that they shouldn't have been anchored in. I had written a script for myself about certain certain situations in my life that was completely inaccurate to what the reality was. And I had to go through a process, and this is really a small version of it, but I had to go through a process of completely reframing that, completely rewriting the script of what I thought had happened to me in my life or what, you know, what I believed to be the case, to rewrite it to be a completely different model. And that like that was such a quick and I mean, quick in terms of it only took months to re to correct, really, to start to correct years and years of learned behavior and sort of trauma, if you like, which which I found so profound. I'm evangelical about it now because I think everyone could do with it. We're all a bit sort of therapy shy in this country you know I think the Americans are way ahead of us mm -hmm. we don't like to talk and, and being British and being Irish we we don't like to talk and we need to talk and we need to open up about this so I and I'm very open about it I I did everything I tried everything I mean I, I won't mention the things that I did try but I tried lots of different methods I found ones that worked for me and that's what I would encourage anyone to do there are things that work for everyone there are ways to help yourself to look at things in a different way. And um, you can you can absolutely change your mental space and your emotional space without losing who you are. The lovely thing, that's the, the kind of one thing I would say. I never lost the ability to sing from my heart or perform from my heart 
through going through that process. It just helped me funnel it differently and energize it differently and give it differently um, and give it more fully, which was the, the joyous thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so that's lovely. Awesome. Like when you say sing, you never lost the ability to sing from your heart. I think that that's just so important. Um, and that really all there was around you that was holding you back was extraneous material, really. Um, and that the, the joy was the joy was still there. One of the things we're really passionate about at Tax for Actors is education. Education about tax, about self-employment, about finance. I've seen firsthand how a lack of education regarding tax and finance can have a detrimental impact on someone's career, but also on their mental health. The stress of managing money, the stress of where that next paycheck is going to come from really can't be underestimated. And I guess that's one of the driving forces behind Tax Fractors. Yes, we want to help you with your self-assessment. Yes, we want to act as your accountant. But more importantly, we want to be part of your support network as you navigate through the various stages of your career, whether that's the ups or whether that's the downs. We want to be there by your side, offering our support and our advice. So if we can help you out, our contact details can be found in the show notes, or you can drop us an email on owen at taxforactors.com. Enough of me talking. Enjoy the rest of the show. You said to us as well that you overcame extreme audition nerves, which I'm sure came from um, that issue yeah. you had with your singing. Um, a lot of people have ex- like really extreme audition nerves, but have no problem when they're performing and they just don't understand it. And they're like, why, why, why? What helped you with this in the end? Again, it was, again, I'm going to go back to these words a lot because I use them a lot and anyone that knows me knows I use them a lot, but I go back to this kind of um, how you frame things, how you how you visualize, how you manifest it in your own reality and and then how you anchor it in. And I had, um, I think, to put it in, in very sort of simple terms, when I'm on stage uh, and I'm performing and, and, and for a lot of people, it's into the black. You know, you cannot see anyone almost sitting in judgment of you. And this is being very simplistic about it. I loved that. I found that very freeing because, A, I wasn't being me with all my flaws and all my the little voices and all the things that was wrong about me. I was being someone else and I was um, flooding this this black, unjudgmental space with my version of someone else. So I wasn't um, being as aware of what people were thinking of me or how they were. You know, the voices quietened down because all I was being in that moment was I was playing. I was just enjoying the sensation of being something else and living through that moment and and examining all those emotions and all the things that that person would feel in that character. It's very different when you're in an audition, as we all know. That's not that that can sometimes not be the case. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. A lot of the time it's not. And what you have to do, what I had to do was find a way to recreate almost that space that I would be in in on the stage in an audition room I have lots of little tricks and techniques and I'm I'm constantly on the hunt for other ones so I I'm like you know so annoying because I ring every practitioner every teacher I'm on there I'm going tell me what's your method what's your method because I I love to learn and I love and I think if you want to achieve success you have to model other people's behavior who are successful um 
And there are lots of ways you can do that. For me, I I have like a little process I go through before the audition. I listen to um, a certain kind of um, mindfulness exercise. I listen to strong woman energy music. <laughs> I don't know how else to put that. But I've got my tracks that are like, I'm going to be a strong boss woman now. Or I'm going to be a vulnerable woman now. Or, you know, but it gives me that strong female energy. When I go in there, I do visualizations. I, I vary into seeing what I need to see before I say it. Um, but I, I also do this thing as well that I picked up. I pick up, I'm like a magpie, I pick up from everywhere, from lots of therapy books. And it's what I call strong back, soft front, wild heart. And it's like a mantra that I say every time I walk into an audition. And I think as well, what has really helped me is doing a lot of workshops and meeting a lot of the people um, that are on the other side of the table when you get into these rooms has also break, you know, broken down that stigma and that myth for me of these awful people that don't want to hire me. And they're, they're all going to be trying to find the thing that's wrong in my audition, which is nonsense, nonsense. They're gorgeous, all of them. Um, genuinely, I mean that I've met some fantastic people along the workshop route. And I would advise every graduate to, as as much as funds allow, do as many as you can, because it will break down that myth for you. It will make the place seem less scary. Um, so that's what I personally do. Um, and it and you have everyone's journey for that is individual. You have to decide whether you are visual or kinesthetic or auditory, but whatever your method is to really anchor that into your behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't want to jump in just in case it distorted um, the recording. But when you're talking about your um, your strong woman, like I'm going to be a strong boss woman today. I'm going to be. I love. I want to shout yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. That's so good. That's so good. I, I I'm I've I'm on a break at the moment from like the industry, but I wish that I'd kind of like thought about things like that before I go in because I used to just sit there and like just think in my head and I'd just be in my head the whole time. Um, yeah. I was like why why am I doing this why am I doing this and I think like even when I go back to auditioning um I'll be much more on the right I'm going to make this work for me in this situation rather than um just I don't know not not being on the back foot but kind of just hoping it will and just be like oh please like me please love me please give me a job and just taking it like taking it grabbing the bull by the horns or yeah and I think I think the thing that um I've taken I mean again I'm taking I'm still learning. I'm not a perfect product by any stretch of the imagination. But the thing that I'm really finding, I'm embedding and I'm writing, I'm writing all of this because I feel like at some point I would love to be able to notate all this to help people like me at the stage I was at. Um, what I found as well is really embracing and really anchoring into who you are fundamentally, what makes you different is so important. I had never really... Um, acknowledged like being Irish and being from the background that I was from being from the culture that I was from and my view and my way of looking at things even with maybe some of the lack of experience and performance training that I had was actually a good thing I'd never reframed it like that and I had to you know I had to do that to make it work for me but what I see is that I just bring a different flavor I'm not going to be right for everything 
But someday I'm going to walk into the room with all of my colors and all of my different ways of looking at it. I'm going to, you know, throw my gauntlet down and say, this is who I am. And someone's going to go, yeah, that you're exactly what we were looking for. It's not going to be all the time, but I don't mind that. I absolutely don't mind that because in that space, I will have made a really lovely connection um, that might hire me somewhere else. I see every single audition as an opportunity to meet people rather than perform actually um and and now I'm embracing that thing of just being unapologetically me and not you know not not sort of varying left or right from that a hundred percent and more than that 150 percent me in every situation that I'm in because we all have gifts and talents like we all do and we all have very unique gifts and talents and we forget that when you get sort of homogenized from maybe training a bit or you know being in the industry it's nonsense we're you know sharing our gift is like the most powerful way we can connect with people and sharing our own version of that gift yeah I'm I'm really yeah I'm an advocate for that absolutely oh you're great you're very inspiring Jackie thank (laughs) you um so how would you describe your mental health from when you started in the industry to now? Do you think you've seen a positive change within the industry and within yourself? Um, I would say that there are changes happening. What I would say is that uh, I have found in the situations that I've been in, I'm one of the few that is starting those conversations sometimes. It's interesting. What I find is that when you put it out there, when you start the conversation, and I'm I'm brave now. I will say, hey, I feel like this, you know, or I noticed that you were a bit quiet. I'll engage in the conversation. And when you actually come in front facing like that and say, here's me, here's my vulnerability, people always respond you know, with in unexpected ways and in beautiful ways. And I always, I never get shot down. I don't think there's one been one occasion where I've shot, been shot down. What I find is people go, wow, I feel the same. I have never not encountered that. And I find that fascinating that we're all potentially feeling exactly the same and pretending we don't. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I don't I can't change the world. I can't change how people look at mental health or emotional health. Although I do think that in the time that we're in now with this virus, I absolutely do think that will change. Interestingly, I think we're all having to go through a real mental agility test here, being shut away mm-hmm. at home. People are going to have to, you know, really examine how they cope. Uh, and all people, pe- everyone has a different way of coping with this, um, which I also find fascinating. But I think that might change when we come out the other side of that. I think we will be more understanding of how we all cope in strong, you know, in in dangerous or anxious situations. But what I would love to see is more people standing up and saying, are you okay?" Uh, More of that, because it's you're not being nosy. You're not you're not doing the wrong thing. You're not you know, you're never going to get a negative response to that question yeah that's that's very very true very true I think I think from from mine and Scarlett's perspective we have seen people start to start to ask more um and start to and start to just open up a little bit more um over the past couple of years um well past 18 months really that we've been doing this which I think is only a good thing but I do think you're right I think people because people are struggling at the moment um both financially and mentally um and we don't know how long it's going to be going on for. Um, 
I mean, Andrew Lloyd Webber said the other day mm. that the theatres could be shut until September, which would be six months, which is absolute craziness. And we're going to have to find ways to support each other through this and then also support rebuilding on the outside. And I think that mental health is going to be a huge part of that um, mm. for all of us. Yeah. And because we're all starting from from zero again, when when this when we come back out. If, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, we'll have to be open to making connections yeah. in a different way. Um, we're going to all have to show up in a respectful and caring way. Yeah. And we can all share skill set. We can all everybody. You know, we all know different things. We can all I think if we all reach out to each other and say, right, how do we do this together? Let's not let, you know, the successful people sort of off they go and they do their thing. And, you know, let's embrace all the people um, from every sort of background and, and whatever and say, let's all do this together. How can we share our skills? How can we pivot this? How can we, you know, really execute this in the best way possible for everyone? Um, I have concerns about the industry sort of coming back to a place where and I know anyone with a a business model in theatre at this moment in time must be thinking, right, gosh, you know, how am I going to get people back into a closed space on the other time of this? I'll probably need to trot out some really firm favourites with firm favourite castings, etc. I mean, yes, that's it's obvious. I would do that if I was looking at the business model. But I also think there's a responsibility that we have to actually looking after everyone in the industry and seeing how we can make it work for us all yeah um, yeah yeah 100% 100% so how do you find being a mum in the industry and coming back into it in your 40s do you think that you view the industry differently yeah I do and I would say that my my perception of that when I was younger was that I thought of being in my 40s with kids as the death knell for anything I would ever want to do that's the end of my life and actually there is this kind of perception a little bit in musical theatre like game over you know or come back as you know for further down the line as the older lady um and there's this just gaping hinterland in the middle of nothingness for all these 30 40 50 year old women mm-hmm. and I just I just think why why god why <laughs> because you know these are this is the time in your life as a woman I can honestly say that when you have the most to say when you have peeled away the layers of uh, you know insecurity or whatever and and may you may have done some work on yourself like I've done I think a lot of women do they do ask more questions of themselves and you look at things differently and and I I'm I'm enjoying this time if I'm honest I'm enjoying this period of my life way more than my 30s I feel stronger and I feel like I have some I've learned some things now that help me cope. I know how I can I know how I can cope with my children. I also feel like they're learning really good skill set from me. They're learning how to do things well because mom is out there trying to. And mom is saying I'm I'm giving them the gift of imperfection. Actually, mom is saying, you know what? I haven't maybe been successful in inverted commas in this yet, but I'm still trying. I'm still working at it. I'm I'm still figuring out how to execute this. Like, and you will have to do that too in, in mm-hmm. not so much time to come. Uh, so it's a good gift you're giving to your kids when you're still doing that in your 40s yeah. or 50s or whenever. And I hope I never stop. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I love that you used inverted commas there. For, obviously, people won't be able to see this. Um, 
for successful because what is success what is defined yeah. as is, is success winning an Olivier award because if so then about 40 people are going to be successful in the entire industry it's it, it's really really just defined by I think for me personally it's what makes you happy I think if you're happy and you like doing what you do every day then that's you being successful okay. um rather than I've not achieved this goal I've not achieved that goal I've, you never know that something might come your way that you didn't expect to and it makes you so happy and then that is success defined for you. Absolutely. And I think we we're, we are ingrained in our culture to value, you know, career wins or high status or nice things, you know, or, or um, pursuing things of self-interest as success. We, we definitely are, you know, are taught that that is the way to go. In, and, and I think we spend a lot of maybe our 20s certainly trying to pursue that. And then you kind of get to the other side of it, look back. And, and if you have achieved that, great. If you haven't, that's also another viewpoint. But either or, I think with either win or non-win, you definitely get to a point where you look back and go, wow, that's not all I thought it was going to be. Or that's not giving me what I thought it would. And I need to look at some other ways of doing this. And that happens for some people earlier than others. But um, it happens, let me tell you. And when that happens, that's when the real great things happen because that's when you become you know a bit more ambidextrous and and uh, you you find out really who you are you dig into what you should be doing mm-hmm. uh, for yourself and for your community as well yeah absolutely so still off the back of that what's one piece of advice that you would offer to grads who are graduating now um aside from aside from the coronavirus um issue knowing what you know now having been in the industry what's one thing you would tell them um I would say go against the grain and I mean that in the best way possible um I don't mean be disruptive I don't mean be ugly in your attention to things um what I mean is you know, really look at who you are deep down inside and what you have to give and and really, you know, don't be don't try and take on every one else's journey as your journey. Your journey is personal to you. And, and it's so important that you are an individual when you come back out to work, that you are someone that has something to say unique to you. I would also say embrace every single person in your community. Don't just embrace the ones that are like you. Embrace everyone. Because when as storytellers, we we have a, a responsibility actually to talk about lots of different things in our careers. And if you're only hanging out with or making connections with the people that you like or that you think are like you or that you think are going to get you a job or, you know, da, 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 I can give you all the answers. But if you're only doing that, that's very one dimensional. It's not going to serve you as an actor. You know, really um, talk to the people that you maybe are shying away from. Ask yourself the question, why am I not talking to them? Why have I not looked at that art form or that, you know, that community of people? Is it because I'm afraid of it or do I think they wouldn't accept me? Or really go and, and be brave and speak to those people. Go and find that art. Go and put yourself in uncomfortable situations 100% because the learning you take from that is better than anything they train you in drama school, let mm. me tell you. Yeah, so those are really the two things. 
Yeah, definitely. That's the thing as well. You leave drama school so young. Like I was old leaving drama school for my year. I was the oldest girl in my year and I was 23 when I graduated and that ain't old. Um, So yeah, Yeah. there's a lot to, a lot to, a lot to go on. So it's, I think it's kind of commonly acknowledged that um, especially like your, your playing age bracket is quite underrepresented because of people who are going off to have children or they worry that they are in inverted commas too old, which is absolute rubbish yeah Um, yeah what do you think that the industry needs to do to to help this and to kind of inspire more people to be able to have both uh, a home life and a career um I would love to see more roles written for women in that age range first and foremost and and also more strong roles you know uh, that actually reflect what being a woman in their in your 40s and 50s looks like because we are complicated wonderful characters um we are at any stage in our lives but I tell you it only gets better as time goes on and that's for men and women like let's write really complex fabulous women let's do that I'm all about hunting down the writers that are doing that like that's I've been very vocal about that too I love new writing and I will put my hand up in the ring anytime someone's writing something and wants someone to read I'm saying it right now people hook me up dm me I'm like I'm gonna be there for you because I I think it's really important to get that new writing come through and what that will do is that will change the playing field that will change the landscape that good new writing coming through will allow opportunities um for women that have had babies and want to come back in um that's the first and foremost thing but also you know there are some brilliant people doing things around childcare, um for artists that's fantastic I love to see that I think I would love to see <laughs> interestingly I see quite a lot of um fun you know funding and um there are lots of opportunities come through for the 18 to 25 year old bracket to learn sort of top up skills once they come out of graduate school you know they graduate from whatever and then they can search out funding to do those things there are not those funding opportunities for older women and men and I and I I would love to change that I think that you know there are some people that for whatever reason whether they've raised kids or whether they just didn't have an opportunity early doors didn't haven't come to performance or haven't come to their correct career choice until they head into their 30s and 40s and that can be very hard to find financial support to do that or just general, you know, cultural support to do that. There's this notion that, you know, you're having some kind of midlife crisis, whatever. There's all sorts of like different tagging of it. But actually you can contribute, you know, some of those people can contribute greatly. They could become fantastic writers because they have lots to say. They could become fantastic performers. And there isn't that root of training for them sometimes. There isn't that root of knowledge. There isn't that root of um yeah of fundraising for them and I I think that should be changed yeah definitely definitely and so just before we get on to our final uh our final question you are so massively inspiring and you're absolute proof that this industry is a marathon and not a race and that you can really do anything that you set your mind to what conversations do you think we can be having within the industry so that we can create a more positive place for people to be able to do this I want to see the conversations about equality extend to age um, as well, and extend to lots of different areas. And I, I'm loving the work that is happening at the minute 
um, the conversations that are happening to include um, people from, you know, lower income backgrounds um, people from our different communities, um, the Bain conversations. I mean, I, I, I just love the changes that are happening in our industry in that respect. And I think that we have further to go with that to include more people, the more people and the more voices that can be heard in our industry, the better because we all need to learn from those stories. I, if I had one criticism, I think, of the industry at times is that it can be not, a, it's not as multidimensional as it should be. We're not hearing as many stories as we should um, because the world is a very different place to what it was when, you know, a lot of the musicals that we're performing now were written. And, you know, we are a different society. And I want to I personally, I want to go and see those shows. I want to go and see I want to be informed. I want to go and see something that I don't know about, about someone's life. I want to leave the theatre having learned something new. So we should be having conversations to to see how we can make that happen. Um, I would love to see more money poured into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I know, definitely. It's, and that's the thing, the theatre can be used for education um, as well. Yeah. And that's the thing. We've, we've said this a lot with a lot of guests, that especially when we've been talking about diversity, that it's the stories that need to be told um, that's important as well, uh, that, that a new writing, that that funding is put into it. And I think that's something that will come. And maybe with, with the change that we're seeing in the industry at the moment, um it, it might be an opportunity to hopefully put some funding into some different places when we when we all get back into it i mean the one upside i think that is going to come out of this time that we're all shut away is i think that anyone that's toying with the idea of being creative and potentially putting words down on paper might just do that at this time i'm hoping this is my and i keep sort of manifesting this visualizing it every day uh, putting it out into the universe myself when i'm doing my morning pages I'm visualizing lots of people frantically writing out there in their homes, writing all the brilliant work that we're going to do in the next couple of years <laughs> because they might not have had the time or they might have been putting it off or but they've been forced now in this space to sit down and go, do you know what? I can't avoid it anymore. I'm going to write that play. I'm going to write that TV script, whatever it may be, that musical. And I that's what my my hope is. My, I'm sort of trying to make it positive. Um Please let them people be doing that. And if you're out there, do it, do it, do it. Because we as performers need you. You know, we need that. We need it to be re-energized again. Um, and I'm hoping that will happen. For sure. I hope it does too. I hope it does too. So, Jackie, our final question, which you ask everyone, could you walk into a room today, obviously two metres social distancing rule, and say I'm having a bad mental health day? 100% yes. 100% I would do that and the reason I think I would do it uh, the, the reason I believe it's important to do it is because it has a ripple effect because when I say hey you know I'm not feeling this today you invariably you find some people might say do you know what me too go and take time be at the best that you need to be when you when you re-enter the room again or take the time you need most people are very respond really well to that actually is what I find yeah absolutely amazing Jackie thank you so much just before I let you go we're gonna play finish the sentence oh okay are you okay. ready for it I'm ready here we go okay today I woke up and thought I am curious and open to the opinions of others oh great 
My favourite Netflix watch is? <gasps> Mad Men. I'm revisiting Mad Men at the minute and I'm blimmin' loving it. Yeah, <laughs> Mad Men. Everyone should be more? Committed to connecting. Mental health to me is? Being open and honest about our emotional state. A book I'd recommend to everyone is? The Soul Frequency by Shana Lee. Lovely. During lockdown, I keep saying bye. Oh, <laughs> singing and drinking rosé. <laughs> I have to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> um, after all this is over, I can't wait to. Uh, have a long lunch in the in the sunshine or outside with all the people that are super important to me yeah and catch up with them all and finally today I'm thankful for my health actually I think in the time that we're in I'm very grateful that I'm up on my feet living walking breathing very very grateful yeah for my health yeah Jackie, thank you so much for joining me on this lovely sunny Friday afternoon, which unfortunately we're seeing from indoors, but <laughs> doing it for the health of, of the nation. You really, really have absolutely inspired me this afternoon. So thank you so much. And I'm sure this will be a really, really great listen for, wow. for everyone listening. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can reach us on our email, which is info at industryminds.co.uk. For all counselling inquiries, please email mary at industryminds.co.uk. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at industrymindsuk. There you can keep up to date with all our latest announcements. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.